I trust that you're enjoying this weekend and the 4th of July celebration that will be coming up in a couple of days. I want to direct our thoughts to this theme this morning, a fork in the road. And we'll look at Deuteronomy chapter 11 in our Bibles, the fifth book of the Bible of the Old Testament, written by Moses under inspiration of the Lord. And Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 26 through 28, we'll be reading a passage here that sets before us two ways, the way of life, the way of death. And we'll tie it in with this celebration and our freedom and uh, compare it to slavery to sin or freedom in Christ, a fork in the road. You know, life is all about making decisions. As Yogi Berra, the renowned sec- or catcher of the New York Yankees and then the manager, he always had these catchy sayings. And he, one of his was, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And uh, you think, oh, how profound. But then you back up and listen to it again. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Well, of course, Yogi, but which way? And so this is what we want to look at this morning and look at Moses, how he stood before the children of Israel and uh, catch the context here. This is now the second generation that has come out of Egypt. Some 400 years of time spent in Egypt after Jacob and his family went down to Egypt and they ended up being slaves to the Egyptians. Then after 400 years and the people crying out to the Lord for freedom, for deliverance, God raised up a liberator. He raised up Moses. Moses came to Egypt after having spent 40 years out in the desert and he liberated Egypt through God's power after showing 10 plagues of God's power upon Egypt. He brought them out. They crossed the Red Sea. They camped at the foot of Mount Sinai for about a year, received the commandments of the Lord. And then uh, they made their way up to the southern part of Palestine to Kadesh Barnea. And uh, they were supposed to go in and conquer the land. But because of the unbelief of this generation of people that had come out of Egypt, they spent the next 40 years wandering around in, in the desert, in the wilderness until this generation that had come out of Egypt had all passed away and their children are people that were 20 years and younger when they came out of Egypt had now become adults. And this second generation now are the people that will go into uh, Palestine and conquer the land of promise that God had told Israel it would be theirs, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so now Moses is 120 years old And it's getting toward the end of his life. And he stands before this generation of people and he he says, we've come to a fork in the road. There's something we must uh, look at in our lives and we need to make a decision. And I want to read here in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse... If you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Two ways. A way of life, a way of death. The way to freedom, the way to bondage. The way to victory, the way to defeat. The way of blessing, the way of cursing. The way of happiness, 
the way of sorrow. And then he said to them, you choose. You choose. We've come to a fork in the road. I heard about a couple who before their marriage, they decided that the man, the husband, would make all the major decisions and the wife would make all the minor decisions. Well, they spent the next 20 years in marriage and, and after that time, someone asked him, well, how did it work out? This, this decision that you would make all the major decisions and she'd make all the minor decisions. And the man replied, said, it worked out great. I've never had to make a major, major decision in 20 years, you know. <laughs> and so you can see who made all the decisions there. But a way of life, a way of death, Ronald Reagan in his younger years said that he had a cobbler that repaired his shoes and uh, one day the cobbler said to Mr. Reagan, how do you want your new shoes? Do you want them square-toed or round-toed? And he said, well, I don't know. I'll let you know in a few days. In a few days he saw the cobbler and he asked again, well, Mr. Reagan, have you decided do you want square toes or round toes? And uh, Mr. Reagan said, well, I still haven't made up my mind. I'll let you know. And the cobbler said, well, your, your shoes will be done at the end of this week. And so Mr. Reagan went to pick up his shoes. He had one square-toed and one round-toed shoe. And he said, that taught me to make my decisions, to not be vacillating, because if I don't make the decisions, somebody else will make them for me. And so I want to challenge each of us this morning that uh, we are standing at a fork in the road, and we must make a decision. We can choose the way of life or choose the way of death as Moses said to his people. You know, I was just thinking, being a member here at Miles Strait Baptist Church, I don't know a lot of you folk, but I do know quite a few people, particularly the people that you sit around, you get to know them. And, and uh, I was just thinking about different folks here in the church and, and how that they have chosen the way of life. Uh, Garland is one of my friends, and uh, I just appreciate the way that he has taught Preston how to drive a tractor and cut hay and bale hay. That's the way of life. That's the way of life. Jess uh, buys so many things for the missionaries. We had a great time in Sunday school this morning with Larry Stewart, a missionary in Guyana. And uh, he just gave me some solar-powered little things that I can take to the mission field. They're just like a cell phone. You can lay them out in the sun. They'll charge up and then charge your uh, cell phone or the audio messengers that we use. That's the way of life. Uh, Mrs. Lee Gilbreth, an older lady here, uh, provides me with stuffed animals and, and clothes for the children. And uh, that's the way of life. This is her ministry to help in uh, other places. Uh, Mrs. Carolyn Mills, uh, a couple of years ago, she came to Costa Rica and she gave an offering, a gift to one of the pastor's wives who was needing eyeglasses. And it just so happened on that visit, the doctor, the eye doctor, was on the island where we had the church. And so this pastor's wife was able to get her exam and then get her eyeglasses, the way of life. Uh, Houston, taking his boys out fishing. I follow some of you folk on Facebook, and I see those pictures when Levi pulls out those big fish out of the water, you know. And uh, then sometimes they do pull out some big ones. But uh, the way of life, a daddy taking his boy fishing. Judy and Lena uh, baking back here in the kitchen for the VBS uh, Brenda doing so much promotional work for the ministry here at the church. Amy and Candace doing the wonderful announcements they do here on the video. 
Mr. Horace Turner doing the Bible classes for the children in the schools. And so I could go on and on and on. I know I'm skipping a lot of people, but that's just some things that came to my mind. The way of life. I think if we took a vote this morning, everyone, when you get to that fork in the road, you want to take the way of life. Amen? Aren't you with me on that? Anybody want to go the way of death? I don't believe so. Now, we know that the devil is the ultimate author and promoter of slavery. Slavery to sin, slavery to habits, slavery to false teaching, slavery to religion. He wants you to be his slave. He doesn't want you to know freedom in Christ. We're celebrating our freedom in the next couple of days as a country. But you know, greater than earthly freedom is the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. John chapter 8 gives us two verses, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you, you shall be free indeed. You know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. And certainly our freedom, our eternal freedom, comes through Him. And uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that people are ensnared. They're taken captive by the devil at his will. And so we ought to pray for them and show them the truth so that they can escape from that trap, from that snare, and enjoy the freedom that we know as Christians, as children of God. So like it or not, if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, let me just remind you that you are, are a slave to sin, a slave to Satan, your master, but you can leave that slavery. You can go the other way. You're at a fork in the road in your life this morning. And I'm not trying to low-rate anyone or say that we're better than anyone because Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that we all, every one of us, used to be controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. All of us were in that condition. But thank God for that day when we came to that fork in the road and met Jesus Christ and repented of our sins and accepted him as our personal Savior. Amen? Can you say amen on that? And so thankfully we have salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, life and blessing and victory come by obeying God, whereas death and cursing and defeat come by disobeying God. And so again, we can't sit on the fence. We've come to a fork in the road. We've got to take it. And I challenge you to choose Jesus Christ this morning and follow his path to the end of your life until he comes back. Paul tells us, stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the freedom, the liberty by which Christ has made us free. To serve God, to love God, to enjoy God is the sweetest freedom there is. There's nothing greater. Now, will you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bibles? I think we'll look at about three passages this morning. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, we'll consider for a few moments this freedom that we have in Christ. But before we look at that, let me just talk about the 4th of July for a moment. That we'll be celebrating in just a couple of days. On this 4th of July, we as Americans are celebrating our independence, our freedom from tyranny. We will shoot fireworks, we'll eat barbecue and ice cream and have a great time together. But freedom is not free. Freedom is fragile. Freedom can be forfeited and lost. Ronald Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. We must protect it for our children. Only one generation. In another 40, 50 years, our freedom could be lost. 
Mike Huckabee said, being an American is not just about the freedom we have, it's about those who gave it to us. I want us to take our minds back a couple hundred years in just a moment and think about those men, our founding fathers. Peter Marshall, the chaplain of the United States Senate, made this statement, may we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what we ought, to do what is right. You know, the attitude today is, I'm free, I can do what I want. Well, that's a false freedom. God has given us a true freedom to do what we ought, to live within the parameters that he's designed for our lives. You know, you may have watched the Discovery Channel and that program called Dirty Jobs. Mike Rowe is the star on it. Last year, he wrote an essay that I saw on the internet last night. It really spoke to my heart, and I just want to read a portion of it. And he says the following words, Our revolution of 1776, 241 years ago, the War of Independence, this revolution started because 56 wealthy men with everything to lose put everything on the line for a country that didn't even exist yet. These 56 men could have easily paid whatever new tax was being demanded by the king of England. They could have easily lived out their lives in comfortable peace, but they didn't. They chose liberty over safety. When they signed that Declaration of Independence, they weren't just declaring their independence. They were signing their own death warrant. And when they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, they weren't just making a promise to the King of England or to each other or to their fellow colonists. They were making a promise to you and me, and they kept it. They kept that promise, and they paid a price so that we could be free. I'm so thankful this morning that I can say I'm an American. No greater country in the world. And certainly God has blessed us and made us a light in this world to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to many others. And we ought to fulfill that calling that God has given us. 241 years ago, many brave people gave their lives and their fortunes so that we could be free. But even greater than that freedom that we enjoy here in America today is the freedom that Jesus Christ gave us, gave us so that we could be free from the condemnation of sin and have eternal life and go to heaven one day when he comes to receive us. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible tells us, Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I am free in Jesus. Look at him. Look at her and say, I am free in Jesus. Say it. I am free in Jesus. Isn't that great? Think about those who are slaves today around the world. Living in countries where you can't celebrate freedom. We just prayed this morning for the country of Venezuela. We have two or three missionary families there right now under the threat of reprisal and even death and danger. And we need to pray for them in other countries. We've just recently read about North Korea and this young man that was released and came back and died just a few days later. I am free in Jesus Christ. Notice three aspects about this freedom that Jesus has given us. There's a past, a present, and a future aspect in this verse. Again, it says, who delivered us from so great a death? Past. And doth deliver, 
present, and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, future. First of all, the past aspect. He delivered us from so great a death. That's freedom from the penalty of sin. We have been freed from the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again the third day so that we might be freed from the penalty of sin. The Bible tells us, Verily, verily, I say unto you, in John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We have been freed from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin, the penalty of sin is what? Death. Death. But we've been freed from that condemnation, from the penalty of sin. John 3, 16, one of the most well-known verses in, the, in God's Word. For God so loved the world. fact is, let's just say it out loud together. Everybody together. Here we go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on to say, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. If you believe on Jesus, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you are not under condemnation. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You are at a fork in the road this morning. You know, God values freedom so much that he gives us, he allows us to accept him and be saved or reject him and be condemned. He values freedom so much that he gives that freedom to us to make that choice. And someone has said, you know, freedom is the right to be wrong, but not the right to do wrong. And that's your right this morning. If you want to reject Jesus, if you want to say, no, I refuse to accept him as your savior, you have the freedom to be wrong. Now, that doesn't give us the right to go out here and commit crime and do wrong. But I hope that you'll take the right side of that fork in the road in your life, the way of life, not the way of death. Freedom from the penalty of sin. We have been freed, but we also are being freed right now in present tense. It, the Bible tells us here, the second phrase says, he doth deliver. He delivers us right now from the power of sin. Not only have we been freed from the penalty of sin, but we are being delivered from the power of sin. In the past, we call it justification. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. Now we are living in a life of sanctification. Sanctification. God is sanctifying us. He's making us holy. He's making us, conforming us to the image of Christ. I'll read from Romans 6, 11. The Bible says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In this earthly body, don't let sin be the controlling factor, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. It is no longer the Lord of our lives. Jesus is the Lord of our lives. He is freeing us from the power of sin. Freedom is not the absence of restrictions to do whatever you like. Rather, it's living within the parameters that God has designed for us so that we might truly enjoy freedom. It's sort of like a train on the rails. As long as the train stays on the rails. Here we have a railroad man right here in front of us, Tim. And he can tell us this. 
a lot about trains. And, 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 you know, as long as a train runs on the rails, it has freedom to go fast, to go where it, it wants to go, to its destination. But if it goes off the rails, what do we call it? A train wreck. And when your life gets off the rails, it's a wreck. It's like a fish. As long as it's in the water, in the parameters that God has set out for that fish, it can swim where it wants. It, it enjoys freedom. But you pull a fish out of the water on the dry land, and it'll soon die. Some of you have probably heard about me talk about my mule, Pancho, back several years ago in Costa Rica. And, and Pancho, he was a great animal. He broke. He was bomb-proof. You could crawl under him. You could crawl on him. You could crawl around him. I could put the kids on him. Had a soft trot. Pancho was a great animal. Very well broken. But Pancho had the wanderlust. He never was satisfied within the parameters that I had for him in the field that I had for him. And I had three strands of barbed wire up around the field. And the horses, they stayed in. But Pancho, he had a hide like a crocodile. He could get his head through a hole and he was going out. He always was seeking a way out. And you know, it finally caught up with him. One night he broke out, went over to the neighboring farm where they had a chicken house, backed up to the chicken house door, kicked it in, went in and started eating chicken feed. And he got the colic and it killed him. And that was the end of Pancho. My kids were singing, hallelujah, Pancho's gone, you know. They were tired of that animal because we'd be headed to church and there'd be Pancho out by the swimming pool in town over in the priest house. He loved his flowers and his green grass. And uh, he'd just be out all over the place. And so invariably, I'd have to say to one of the boys, get out and take the halter and get Pancho and take him back to the pasture. But, you know, many of us live lives like Pancho. God has set parameters for our lives. He has freed us from the power of sin. He wants to free us from the power of sin. But we don't want to stay within the fence that God has for us. It's not to confine us. It's not to make us slaves. It's to protect us. God has freed us from the penalty of sin. He's freeing us from the power of sin. But then also, he will free us from the presence of sin one day. This verse tells us we trust that he will yet deliver us. Future tense. And this is talking about glorification. Justification freed from the penalty. Sanctification freed from the power of sin. Glorification. When Jesus comes, we'll be freed from the presence of sin. We'll have new bodies. The Bible tells us in 1 John, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Are you waiting for that day? Boy, I am. Jesus is coming back. Forty days after his resurrection, Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives. He gave the last commission, the great commission, to his disciples. He said, go into the world. Give them the gospel. Tell them the good news. Tell them they can be freed from sin. And then he ascended into heaven. While the disciples were standing there gazing into heaven, two angels appeared and said, this same Jesus that has ascended to heaven will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. And so this is the promise that God that Jesus has given us, that he will return and receive us unto himself. John 14 tell, tells us, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So we have freedom from the presence of sin when Jesus comes back to receive him, to receive us unto himself. You know, I'm thankful for my earthly citizenship. I'm thankful for my freedom. But I am more thankful 
for my heavenly citizenship. Amen? Philippians chapter 3, Paul tells us, for our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, our eternal citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Yes, when he comes back and, and shouts and the sounds the trumpet and the dead rise, and rise first and then we that are alive and remain are caught up with the risen dead will be transformed, glorified, and we will be free from the presence of sin. I want to conclude this morning's message by referring again to Moses' challenge to the people when he told them, you're at a fork in the road. In Deuteronomy, again, I repeat, I have set before you death and life, blessing and cursing. And then he says, therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, that was around 1500 B.C., 1500 years before Christ. Nearly a thousand years later, Jeremiah, the prophet, was living. In 588 B.C., Jerusalem is under siege. King Zedekiah is the ruler over Judah. The Babylonish army is outside of Jerusalem with their armies all around the city. It's a waiting game. Will the Jews be starved out? Or will the Babylonians just get tired of this and pack up and leave and go back to Babylon? So they're waiting it out. Something like two years. And uh, Zedekiah, the king, sends to Jeremiah and asks counsel of him. And he said, what should we do? What, what's the word of the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there will be no rescue. God has already pronounced judgment on this city, his favorite city, his chosen city, the city of Jerusalem. God has pronounced judgment upon this city because of its idolatry, because of turning its back upon the Lord. And you will go into captivity for 70 years. You will be carried to Babylon, and you will live for 70 years in captivity. And then after suffering this discipline from the Lord, then you will be brought back. A remnant will be brought back. Not all of you, but some of you will come back and restore the temple and rebuild it under Cyrus, the king of Persia. But Jeremiah basically repeats the words of Moses in Jeremiah chapter 21. I want to read this passage as we close. Jeremiah 21, 8. Now you shall say to the people, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Hey, didn't we hear that before? Yeah, like a thousand years earlier from Moses. Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Now listen to what Jeremiah says. He who remains in this city, the city of Jerusalem, if you remain in the city, he who remains in the city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence or sickness. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans, to the Babylonians who besiege you, he shall live and his life shall be as a prize for him. For I have set my face against this city for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hands of the king of Babylon and he shall burn it with fire. So again, there's a fork in the road. The children of Israel are standing looking at the way of life and the way of death. But it's a strange way of life. Jeremiah says, if you want the way of life, you've got to go out. You've got to abandon this city. 
you've got to go out and be at the mercy of the Babylonians. If you stay in this city, you will die. That is the way of death. Now, you know, most of the people, they stayed. They didn't go out. They looked around and they said, this is my home. Here's my family. Here's my friends. Here's my job. Here's a relative amount of safety, at least immediate safety. To go out? But God had, says, if you will go, had said, if you will go out, your life will be spared. That required faith. And what does Hebrews eleven six say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And some of you this morning are standing at a fork in the road in your life. And God is presenting to you the way of life and the way of death. And you say, well, I'm comfortable right here where I'm at. I have my family, my job, my house, my kids, my friends. What I know, all of that is right around me. And you think, this is the way of life for me. But God is saying, take a step of faith. Step out. Follow me. Surrender to me. Give me your life. That's truly the way of life. As Jesus told his hearers in Matthew chapter 7, straight is the gate, narrow is the gate that goes to life eternal, and few there be that enter there. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many are walking on that path. So again, you can't sit on the fence. You've got to make a decision. And you need to make a decision today for Christ. Enjoy the freedom that Christ is offering you today. God promises life and deliverance if you will obey Him. God promises freedom and salvation if you repent of your sin and accept Christ as Savior. Don't wait any longer. Make that decision today. David says in Psalm 119.45, I will walk in freedom for I have followed your precepts. You want to know freedom? You follow God and His precepts and His word.